Welcome to Get to Gnosis, a podcast brought to you by the Gnosis Builders team. Get to Gnosis explores web three topics in a bite-sized way while showcasing the best of the Gnosis chain ecosystem. I'm your host, Chantelle Awamoyi, and I'm excited to bring you the latest insights, expert opinions, and discussions on all things blockchain. In this episode, we'll be diving headfirst into the world of decentralization, cross-chain swaps with the head of decentralization from Shapeshift DAO. So welcome, Willie. Thanks, Chantelle. Glad to be here. And oh my gosh, props to whoever came up with the name for Get to Gnosis. That is the perfect name for the podcast. I love it. Thank you. We're trying to be witty on the team. So I'm happy that you like it. Yeah. So before we dive into Shapeshift, I'd love to learn a bit more about you and how did you get involved in building in the blockchain space? Yeah, I'll try and give the, the quick high level. So before I got into blockchain, I was a Web2 founder. I dropped out of University of Colorado in 2013 to build my first startup with friends and did that for five years. It was a legal tech startup. It was basically a SaaS-enabled marketplace. We helped people find lawyers and book free initial consultations. And we also built like Calendly for lawyers that lawyers could plug in on their own website to make their empty hours available. So that was an awesome journey. I learned a ton and we were fortunate to sell that startup at the end of 2017. And throughout the course of 2017, I had become obsessed with crypto. I was living in Austin and basically got exposed to crypto at the beginning of 2017. I had sold my house in Colorado and finally had money to invest. That wasn't just going into the startup or paying my bills while we built the startup up. And so I bought some Ethereum as the first crypto. And I'd been really enchanted by the whole vision for Ethereum and this decentralized network of applications it got me really excited. So yeah, as the 2017 bull run happened, I got more and more obsessed with crypto, started going to meetups. And I thought I was like a great trader, but really it was just a bull run. And I found out towards the end of the year that I actually would have done better if I had just held on to like my initial portfolio as, as opposed to trying to catch all these pumps and dips. So the same month that I sold the, the first startup, which was called Just Legal, some other friends and I started a company called Bitfract, which was a tool built on top of Shapeshift where you could trade Bitcoin for multiple digital assets in a single transaction. So instead of just trading one crypto for another, you could trade Bitcoin for up to 65 different cryptos in a single transaction. So after the first startup experience where we were trying to disrupt the legal industry, starting as like college students who knew nothing about legal, let alone starting a company, took a lot of those learnings, started Bitfract, and it was an awesome journey from having the idea to building and launching it to getting acquired by Shapeshift all in the course of six months. So I've been working at Shapeshift since then. So this was June 2018, where we joined Shapeshift. That was also an amazing journey. I was principal product manager there. And yeah, worked there for another three years until we decentralized. And that was super exciting. That was the best day ever, for sure. I was already becoming a big fan of DAOs through working with Giveit. I've been working with Giveit since February 2020. So I'd seen firsthand the power of DAOs to basically build awesome software, just as a aligned community of individuals all around the world building cool shit together on the internet. And I thought that was super amazing just to see like, oh, you can actually build really cool stuff without having any central entity or, or authority or CEO or anything like that. So when I heard that Shapeshift was planning to go full DAO, I was super excited. I thought it was absolutely the right move for us. And I had the pleasure of basically setting up a lot of the initial DAO stuff. So the governance process, the DAO stack with the snapshot and Safe. 
So had the pleasure of doing that and threw my hat in to basically be the head of decentralization for the Fox Foundation. So as Shapeshift transformed from being a centralized organization to a community, there was a lot of legacy infrastructure that the DAO couldn't yet hold on to. So things like domain names, servers, even the trademarks and stuff that Shapeshift had accrued over the years of being a centralized org. So the mission for the Fox Foundation is to support Shapeshift in achieving full decentralization. And I spearhead a lot of those efforts to basically piece by piece, take these centralized artifacts from Shapeshift and figure out ways to transition control of that to the community or replace them with decentralized alternatives, or in some cases, even just potentially sunset the things that we can't find a clear path for transitioning to the community. Oh, wow. I really resonate with what you said. I also thought I was a great trader in 2017. You've been with Shapeshift for a really long time and you've been a massive part of this story. And I'm really curious to know about the road to decentralization and how you've managed the transition because Shapeshift has been around for a really long time. OG. <laughs> Since 2014 and then you underwent the transformation around 2021. So what was that process, that process like? Yeah, it was a super interesting process and there, were, there weren't a lot of playbooks that we could follow. So we were charting a lot of uncharted territory. So I remember the day that Eric announced to the company that we were going full DAO was a really interesting day. So we had these all Fox meetings. Some team members had been given this news ahead of time, but most of the company had no idea that this news was coming. So. I had prepared a presentation to basically paint the picture to the Shapeshift employees for like what the DAO could look like, because there's varying levels of experience. People like me were, were already very familiar with DAOs, but some people had like maybe even never heard of the concept. Most people had not ever contributed to a DAO yet. So there was a whole spectrum of reactions. Some people were like me were super excited about it. Some people were like, this is crazy, WTF. And also, I mean, when Eric announced this to the company, basically he's also letting everyone know that over the next six months, the centralized shapeshift organization is going to be dissolving and every, everyone here is going to be terminated, basically. It was pretty crazy news, right? And the way that that worked was three waves, which was pretty nice. So it wasn't just like all at once, but there were three waves where employees were let go. So, and that happened over a six month period. So we basically had a six month transitional period where shapeshift or shapeshift centralized organization is winding down and shapeshift DAO is ramping up. I gave a presentation to paint the picture of what DAO life could look like. And one of my goals there was to try and convince as many Shapeshift employees to at least give the DAO a try. I'm like, if you like working at Shapeshift, you're going to love working for the DAO. It sounds crazy. It sounds like a fantasy, but like this stuff works. And here's, here's how it could work. Here's what it could look like. That was in May. So the Shapeshift employees had about a month and a half where we're then doing all the work to get the DAO ready for launch. And then once the DAO launched, the first wave of employees that were let go was about maybe a month and a half after the DAO launched. So there was a little bit of time for employees at Shapeshift or community members to make proposals to the community to create new work streams. And by doing that, that enabled employees who were maybe getting let go from Shapeshift on a Friday to seamlessly transition and continue doing a very, the same or very similar job on Monday, but now working for the DAO. Yeah, that was really nice to have that overlap period. Before it centralized Shapeshift, all the communications were in Slack. Even before those first wave dates, we transitioned all the communications into the Discord. So even the centralized Shapeshift employees were at least still right in the Discord and conversing alongside all of our community members, which is just one of my favorite 
differences of, of DAO life first centralized shapeshift life is like there's no longer any barriers between contributors and users or community members. I hated how we used to have to be very secret about everything we were building. Um, we'd go to conferences, we'd be working on super cool stuff. And we had a policy where we would not talk about what we were building until we launched it. And cool. I always hated that because I couldn't talk about the cool stuff we were building until it was already live. Now at Shapeshift, there's full transparency and we're building in public so we can talk about all this stuff, which is something I personally really appreciate. So yeah, the, uh, the six month transition period, and by the end of the six months, basically many of the work streams had been recreated in the DAO. There were some work streams that didn't carry on. We don't have a human resources work stream yet, at least. We don't have a legal work stream, even though we had an internal legal team at Centralized Shapeshift. So, and a compliance team. We used to have a pretty hefty compliance yeah. team because we had all these regulations that we had to comply with, not just because we were a centralized org, but because with Shapeshift's legacy model, we were like a centralized exchange. Yeah. So we had all this overhead with compliance there. And now as a DAO, we just aggregate different decentralized protocols. We no longer have to comply with those KYC regulations. And yeah, as a result, we don't have a need for uh, a compliance work stream. Product, engineering, support, operations, all that stuff was able to transition over to the DAO. And now oh, we're about great. two years into it. We just had a two-year DAOversary last month. What are some learnings you can give us and maybe any DAO members listening some best practices? Best practices? Man, I'd say... Something that's worked really well for, for Shapeshift DAO is this concept of work streams. I think yeah. it'd be really hard for any DAO, once you get past like 10 contributors, it becomes very hard to get stuff done efficiently at scale if you don't have this concept of work streams or sub DAOs, basically. Different DAOs call them different things, but it's effectively a, a sub DAO that has its own treasury and where the community is basically delegating some authority, some budget to the sub DAO and recognizing that the sub DAO, they're the subject matter experts. The engineering work stream is going to make, be able to make better day-to-day -day engineering decisions than the community is. And further, we can streamline governance and avoid cluttering the top-level governance with a bunch of day-to-day -day decisions. So you can imagine if we had to make a proposal to the top level every time an individual or a work stream was being paid, that would just be a lot of overhead for the community. It could exhaust them and overwhelm the governance process, which would result in voter apathy, which is the last thing you want yeah. for a DAO. So yeah, I think the work streams have enabled Shapeshift DAO to get a lot of stuff done very quickly, similar to if we were still a centralized organization, but instead of having a, a CEO and a board on top, we have the community on top of these work streams. So highly recommend that to any, any DAO that wants to get stuff done efficiently at scale. I think another thing that's worked really well for us is just having a couple of different stages in our governance process. So we have three stages. The first is incubation. It's super low barrier. There's no requirements to have like a draft proposal or anything, but we want to make it easy for people to plant the seed. Next stage is ideation. At that point, you do have to have a draft proposal that follows a template, but there's still time to basically get feedback from the community and iterate before you just go up for official vote. And if you pass ideation at that point, then you can put up a proposal for official vote. And hopefully at that point, you've had enough time to basically get feedback from the community, from these work streams and refine your proposal so that you have a pretty good confidence that it's a proposal that, that can be passed and can be executed. There's no gotchas or anything like that. And that has high confidence that the community is going to be in favor of it because it's already gone through some, some vetting. And so that does keep like the top level governance because we have so many token holders who are, who are watching that. I think it keeps it really streamlined and productive. Usually the proposals that get there are ready to rock. So yeah, those are probably the top two pieces of advice. The third one that I think of the last one I'll, I'll say here probably the hardest is just having really good memes. I think we're still working on that. The power of memes is immense and it should not be understated. 
but especially as a DAO, if you can really figure out not just like the cartoon memes, but the high level, what is the mission of your DAO? Why does your DAO exist? Mm -hmm. Why should somebody who might be interested in joining a DAO, why should they join your DAO and contribute to your DAO? So for Giveth, I think Giveth has great memes of like building the future of giving and rewarding those who give. And because Giveth has such clear memes, people all around the world who share that same mission and vision, which there are people all around the world who want to help build the future of giving and think we can do a better job in Web3, they hear that and they're like, oh, this is the community for me. So super valuable to have very dank memes. Meme culture and decentralization go hand in hand. We feel the same thing over at Gnosis because we, we also have Gnosis DAO. And I think it's always nice to get insight into DAO life from someone outside of the, you know, the DAO itself. But I think decentralization is an interesting thing. And decentralization in Web3 is an even more interesting thing because I think we have a lot of projects that basically put decentralization on the back burner. And I actually started my Web3 journey through DAOs. And they did always start centralized at first because decentralization does have its challenges. But I was wondering how you measure decentralization or what your definition for decentralization is. Yeah, uh, I love that question. So I am very much a believer that decentralization is not binary. It very much is, is a spectrum. And yeah, to your point, I think a lot of projects don't necessarily prioritize decentralization, which can make sense. There's an argument there because decentralization is really hard, right? And like, at the same time that we're trying to decentralize, we're also trying to like build stuff people want that mm -hmm. is worth decentralizing, right? And so I do understand the argument of like, let's, let's build something, let's prove that it's valuable, that it has product market fit, and then let's focus on decentralizing it. And let's recognize that we can't just decentralize it overnight. It's going to be a long period. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to be a progressive decentralization. So yeah, I'm very much a believer that decentralization is a spectrum. I think like my definition for decentralization is something that like a network or a system that anybody can access and partake in, uh, but nobody can stop it. It's unstoppable. It's censorship resistant, but it's also something that's permissionless and that anybody can come take a, take part in. Maybe you have to stake something or something, but it's not restricted. Uh, you, there's no central authority who's deciding like who gets to, to play or not. And yeah, a lot then unfolds from that. And yeah, I'm a big fan of decentralization when it's done well. And I think that we have an opportunity to now with this technology to create systems that are decentralized. They're no longer relying on a central party or authority. And that by doing that, we can build much better systems that don't rely on trust, which so often in the past have been abused. It seems like Gnosis and Shapeshift have very similar beliefs. And the Gnosis Builders team is, we can see it as like the BD team for Gnosis Chain. And I know that Gnosis Chain is very big on decentralization, very big on housing resilient projects but also having a number of validators so that the chain can't be taken down, similar to what you said. Thank you for taking us into the world of decentralization. It's always refreshing to have a conversation like this. Agreed. Yeah, and a huge props to Gnosis. We're just huge fans of not only the chain you guys have built, but the safes. I think the, the Gnosis safe is like one of the best public goods that's ever been created. And I use it oftentimes as an example when I'm trying to explain like, oh, to somebody who doesn't understand why blockchain or Web3 or decentralization is valuable. And I point at these, these Gnosis safes, basically, and how that would not be possible without these technologies and how valuable that is to be able to create something like that. And I love that you guys have made that available just as a, an open source public good. So huge fans of, of Gnosis and, and the values that you guys, what's the word for it, embody, the, the values that you guys embody. Yeah.
it's crazy. So many projects are built on top of safe and in ways that you don't really think about. But then also we recently had the Gnosis Pay rollout, which is also built on top of safe, where your safe is a bank account, essentially. And really striving towards that mission of financial inclusion, just being able to actually spend your crypto. It's like the number one problem that we have. Yes, crypto is great, but like, how do we spend it? And now we have a way to spend it that is easy and is essentially the same as getting a bank card. But let's, let's get into Shapeshift. And for anyone that doesn't know by now, I know we're probably like halfway through the episode. Can you tell us a bit about Shapeshift and the product and the problem that it solves? Yes, I'm glad you, glad you mentioned that. So Shapeshift, if you're not familiar, Shapeshift first started in 2014 as the first way to trade crypto from your own wallet. So it started right in the wake of Mt. Gox. It was centralized. This is before Ethereum, before any DEXs, but it was a really easy way to basically be able to trade one asset uh, for another asset. And uh, it was cross-chain as well. So that was very successful. It was the most popular way to trade crypto from your own wallet until 2018, at which point we started requiring KYC because crypto regulations had evolved and it was starting to be treated like money. So we had to build out a whole compliance department, completely change our product. And it, it was really sad. And it, it was not something that the team wanted to do. And it was not something that our customers wanted. And it ended up causing Shapeshift to lose like 95% of its trade volume. And so we, we've shapeshifted since then. In 2021, we had basically, really it was 2020, we realized that DEXs were the future. So huge shout out to Uniswap for basically figuring out the, the AMM model, basically achieving Shapeshift's original vision of enabling someone to like trade one asset for another without sacrificing custody in a better way than, than we had. And uh, in a way that didn't require uh, customers to give up their personal information. So we basically embraced that change we gave up um, on our own trading engine and we sunset that in 2021. We integrated 0x uh, to aggregate DEXs on Ethereum. And then we integrated ThorChain the day that ThorChain launched their mainnet in April. And then at that, that same day, we shut down our trade engine. We stopped KYCing users. And it was only a few months later that we basically transitioned, launched the DAO. So now what you can think about Shapeshift as is the ultimate interface to the decentralized universe. So we support over 170 different wallets. We also provide the Shapeshift software wallet and the, we're the main interface for the KeepKey hardware wallet. We support 13 different chains, including Gnosis chain. And we aggregate lots of DEXs. So we're not just like, we're not a DEX ourselves anymore, but we're like an aggregator of aggregators. So we yeah. aggregate CowSwap, which is one of our favorites, as well as <laughs> One Inch and Zero X and LiFi. And we also aggregate ThorChain, so you can trade like Bitcoin for Ethereum, as well as Osmosis for trading Cosmos IBC assets. So we aggregate all those DEXs to find the best rates. We also aggregate fiat on and off ramps and DeFi protocols. So from one app, you can manage your whole portfolio across chains and then buy, sell, trade, send, receive, earn yield, bridge across chains, all the main stuff that you want to do. And we also have Wallet Connect so you can connect to other dApps. It actually is very similar to the integration in Nosa Safe where you can connect to adapt with Wallet Connect and then confirm the transaction in Shapeshift. And yeah, we have a, a pack roadmap. Basically, we're trying to, when we say the ultimate interface of the decentralized universe, something we care about is actually making that interface decentralized itself. We think, what's the point if um, all the interfaces to these decentralized protocols themselves are centralized? They can still be censored. They can still be stopped. So we're pushing to make our interface 
completely decentralized and it's also completely open source. And we have a private version as well. So if you really care about privacy, you can use private.shapeshift.com and not share no tracking or analytics. We also have the mobile app in iOS and Android stores. So you can use all that great functionality on your phone as well. And the, my favorite part about all of this is that it's free. It's also a public good, just like safe. And we don't charge, you won't, yeah, we don't charge any extra fees on top of these protocols or services. So you, you'll always find the best rates on ShapeShift. Amazing. Thank you for giving us a peek at the roadmap and, and what's coming. But I'd love to talk a little bit more about this Gnosis Chain integration. And the reason why you're on the podcast today is because we're unveiling Gnosis Chain support on ShapeShift website and mobile apps. So what does this mean for the listeners and users? Yes, it means if you are a Gnosis Chain user, you're going to have a great time on ShapeShift and you're going to be able to see all of your different assets. We also have these very cool rainbow charts. So you can actually see a chart of your portfolio value actually broken down by like each asset in your portfolio. That's a fun feature. And yeah, we're, we're working to make the best interface to, to Gnosis Chain. So yeah, we've got CowSwap, not just integrated on Ethereum mainnet, but also on Gnosis Chain. And yeah, we can bridge. You can bridge from a bunch of different networks directly to Gnosis Chain and vice versa. Again, we're not putting added fees on any of this. And I think soon we, we should have some DeFi opportunities. I don't think we, right now you'll see your DeFi position. So like if you have a position in Agave Lending, for example, you will see that in your portfolio on Shapeship. What we'd like to build next is the ability to actually, so on the roadmap, we're looking at integrating portals, which will not only enable you to basically like deposit assets into a large number of different DeFi protocols and opportunities, but you'll be able to zap in or i think we're going to call it shift in so you can basically okay. go from like x die directly into like a fox give farm not just like a liquidity position but like in one transaction basically like swap to the assets you need provide liquidity and then stake an lp token in a farm so very excited for that integration on the roadmap yeah that sounds so exciting i know that we're really ramping up our DeFi expansion so looking forward to to using the interface i think it's going to be really cool Yes, thanks, Chantel. We'd love to hear your feedback too on uh, what you guys would like to see next. And of course, I should have mentioned it, but we do have Fiat on an off-ramping directly yeah. to Gnosis Chain as well. I do think we need to look into Gnosis Pay. Yeah. Integrate that. Yeah, for sure. And even with the Fiat on and off-ramping, we need to get you guys on our BuyXDai site, which is where everyone goes to, to figure out the, their best solution to buy an on and off-ramp to Gnosis Chain. So this is really cool. Yeah. Let's do it. It sounds great. And... Like we've spoken about in this conversation, Shapeshift has been through various market cycles. Nate, can you share any insights into how you've positioned yourselves to meet the ever-changing demands of the market? Yeah, it's tough in crypto. Um, and I think we're still trying to figure it out for sure. And um, we're trying to talk to, to more users like you all to see like, what would you guys like to see? What's really important yeah. for us to build? And yeah, trying to always go where the puck is going. And so that's why we are prioritizing things like decentralization, because that is one of those things that might not be something that users prioritize right now, but it's something that becomes a priority very quickly as soon as you need it. So yeah, we're really thinking from first principles when we look at like what makes the ultimate interface to the centralized universe, because I don't think that ultimate interface exists yet. And if we think from first principles, like what does that ultimate interface to the centralized universe look like? Our first principles are that it should be Non-custodial, of course, it should be multi-chain where we've always been a believer in multiple chains uh, at Shapeshift and I know Gnosis is as well. Multiple wallets. So like 
I love Ledger Live, but I don't think Ledger Live is ever going to be the ultimate interface of the centralized universe because it only supports ledgers. So one interface where you can bring your own wallet, connect multiple different types of wallets. Open source is a given. I feel very strongly that the ultimate interface should be open source. Community owned, I think, is uh, also a given. I can't imagine the ultimate interface of the centralized universe being privately owned or or 40% owned by JP Morgan. That just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, And decentralized itself. And the final one is free. I think that's a given too, because if you do have this great interface of centralized universe and it is open source and it is community art, but it's not free, then it'd be pretty compelling for someone to come fork that interface and just like make it free. So we're trying to figure out ways that we can basically sustain the cost of operating this interface in a way that doesn't require charging additional fees and extracting value. I, I like to say that I got into this industry to remove middleman, not just to become like the new middleman. So Those are the first principles that help guide us as we build. Yeah, it's true. If it's not free, it's really not truly accessible because um, when you think about being incredibly neutral, which is another thing that's important to us, if you aren't free, you're pressing a lot of people out in the world. (laughs) And And I just love open source public goods. I think like as an industry, as builders, that is one of the greatest opportunities that we have to have a positive impact on the world. And yeah, our, our vision and mission at ShapeShift is to bring financial sovereignty to billions of individuals. And yeah, I, I agree. If we were charging fees on tap on, on that, it just does not jive with the, the vision or mission. And I actually think that we have less of a chance of achieving that vision. And I actually think that we would generate less revenues uh, in the long term. I, I, no fees does not mean no revenues, but I think there's a lot of opportunity to try and figure out creative ways to monetize that don't require adding fees and extracting value from users. Yeah, we really agree with you. And I think a lot of people don't know this, but the Gnosis Builders team actually only gives grants to open source public good projects because sometimes there's a lot of noise in the space and these projects get sidelined, but we want to focus on them. So that's something that we are actively doing as well. Very cool. I'm going to make note that we should reach out to the builders for a potential grant. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Uh, Let's have that conversation. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Get to Gnosis. We hope that you've enjoyed our deep dive into decentralization and shapeshift. As always, we aim to make complex topics in the Web3 space more accessible to all listeners, and we hope that we've achieved that today. We encourage you to keep exploring the Gnosis ecosystem and all that it has to offer. And we look forward to bringing you more exciting content in the future. Don't forget to subscribe to Get to Gnosis and follow us and shapeshift on all social media. All of our links will be in the description. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep exploring, building, and getting to Gnosis.